My fellow warriors. I promise. I promise. I promise. I promise. I promise to be of service to you. 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 And to allow you. To allow you to be of service to me. To be of service to me. And to allow you to be of service to me. And I will allow you to be of service to me. Until both you and I defeat this demon that assails us. Until both you Until and both I you successfully defeat and this demon I successfully defeat this demon that assails us. Successfully defeat this demon that assails us. Successfully defeat this demon that assails us. I have been given the tools to win. 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 I have all the tools that I need to win this week, and I will win. And I. I have been given the tools to win. And I will win. And I will win. And I will win. We are here to tell you you are not alone. You are not broken. You have not gone too far in the wrong direction. You just tried a different path. And somewhere along that path, you lost a part of yourself. And that addiction, that trauma, that pain came in and it filled the gap. And you had to learn the hard way. You had to grow through adversity. You had to fight to find out who you really are and what you really believe in. See, real change is not about going back. Back there, there are only old habits and hidden pain. Your change comes in the direction you choose to face. So right now, choose to win. Wipe those tears of defeat from your face and get up. We need you. So don't you quit. Don't you dare quit. You keep going. One step at a time, you make that climb and you do it for you. You do it because you are worth fighting for. And one day you're going to look in the mirror and you're going to smile and love the person you see because you will be the person God always intended you to be, a better you, a recovered you. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of Recovering You. Happy Thanksgiving. I I hope everyone out there had a great Thanksgiving. I hope there wasn't too much contention in the families. Uh, and I, I don't know, maybe you, uh, maybe you dropped the fact that you were listening to a certain podcast out there and it was making a big difference and helping you out and you recommended it to a few of your family members. If so, Hey, thanks for the support. I really appreciate it. Uh, if not, you know, it's totally fine. Totally fine. Uh, we'll get them next time. Not a big deal. <laughs> we're going to switch things up a little bit. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get real with you here. Um, okay. So I actually don't have a special guest on today. And uh, that is on purpose. I I want to do things a little bit different. I've never done this on the show, but I'm going to run things solo. And now, don't don't go changing yet. Don't don't give up on me. Give me a chance here. <laughs> uh, I, I'm hoping that what I can bring you today and and the thoughts that I've gathered and the things I've written down can be meaningful and uh, make an impact and do you some good. So that being said, I. I I'm going to get honest with you and, and real with you for, for just a second here. Um, I got to tell you, I, I got real discouraged this, uh, this last week and in getting discouraged, I actually considered quitting. I, I thought, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe this, this podcast just isn't for me anymore. I, I had a good run. Uh, I'm I'm out of people to interview. I'm not getting a lot of traction, and I started to I started to really put myself down and put put my efforts down, and I, I really let that spike narrative start to just rattle around in my head for 
many a days, many moons, I, I, I entertained this thought of quitting. And so I actually brought this point up to the men's group that I'm in and I started telling them why it was that I, I felt like I was quitting. And as I'm sitting there telling them about it, I had the realization of, hold on a second. If I'm willing to quit the podcast, which this is something near and dear to me, this, this means a lot to me. If I'm willing to quit this, then the question came up in my mind, what else am I willing to quit? If I'm willing to quit today, what am I willing to quit tomorrow? And that really hit me hard where it really is just a cascade effect, a, a, a waterfall, a, a domino effect, if you will, of if you are, if I'm willing to give up on something that means so much to me, uh, that may not necessarily be, you know, that the, the highest priority of, you know, taking care of my family and providing an income and doing what I need to do for my recovery, as far as like attending meetings and mentoring and, and coaching and having these discussions with people, this, this isn't really the highest priority thing, but it is something that is super meaningful to me. So if I give that up, if we are willing to give something up that is meaningful to us, what is the next thing that we will be pushed to give up? So let's say, uh, if I give up on this podcast, what comes next? Do I then say, you know, my group is, is really burdensome. And I, and I've, I've actually told my group that, uh, I would love to have my Sundays back. I would love to be able to sit at dinner with my family and have Sunday dinner with them because for three years now I have not. What comes after me getting rid of my group and, and stepping away from my group to allow myself a little bit of space and relaxation? What, what comes next? Do I then say, okay, I'm, I'm no longer going to do my daily goals. Okay. Well, what comes after my daily goals? Do I then stop worrying about, or do I, do I then stop trying to abstain from my addiction? Do I, do I slip back into watching pornography? Do I then start getting back on the dating sites? Do I then start working less hard and, and stop being so driven to be successful to take care of my family financially? Do I then stop focusing on my spouse and, and my marriage and my kids? And do I turn inwardly and become selfish again? This is the road that I, I was essentially given a vision of what would happen if, if I even make the choice of quitting this podcast. And that's why I, I, I wanted to bring up the topic that I'm going to talk about today. So I'm not quitting. I'm still here. I'm excited to be here. I, I feel renewed, full of vigor, full of, uh, you know, just energy and, and ready to really uh, approach the next chapter of my podcast, which Hey, if this works out well, maybe it'll just be the solo Cameron show for a little bit uh, with the occasional guest. I'm cool with that. If you guys are cool with that, I'd love some feedback on it. Uh, go ahead and uh, drop some comments after this episode if you feel like you enjoyed it. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. So two weeks ago, we heard from Sam. Now, Sam, Sam's story and his book, again, are, are just awesome. And I, I loved talking to him. And one thing that he said in that episode really stuck with me. 
and it was at the end of the episode. If you, if you didn't hear the episode, definitely go check it out. But he talked about choosing your hard. So I, I started to reflect on this as I considered quitting, as I considered giving up. He said, it's, it's hard to be sober. It's hard to go to meetings on a weekly basis. It's hard to show up for your family. It's it's hard to step outside of yourself and not be selfish and to show up for your wife and your kids. It is hard to wake up early and to go exercise. It's hard to eat healthy. All these things are really hard. It's also hard to hide your addiction. It's It's hard to lose your job. It's hard to gain weight and to not be able to physically play with your kids or to, to not feel attractive to your spouse. All these things are hard. And so it's a matter of choosing your hard. And I love that he brought that up. And that is something that I'm definitely uh, adopting for the rest of my life. And I, I'm, I'm going to take that and run with it because I absolutely love that counsel. So in understanding that the choosing your hard and in choosing not to quit, I I wanted to go back to kind of my roots of where I, where it all started when I got into my recovery, when I first went into these meetings and I, I run these meetings with men now and, and I'm, I'm a mentor and, and I love asking certain questions at the start of each meeting. And what I do is these are, these are challenge questions that uh, have a specific purpose. So, so here are some of the questions that I ask. I, I like to ask my guys, um, why are you fighting? Why don't you just give up? Why are you awesome? And who are you? And we're going to break down those questions in the episode today. Once again, those are, why are you fighting? Why don't you just give up? Why are you awesome? And who are you? Now, these might seem kind of like casual questions like, okay, well, th these are all really rudimentary answers that I can give to you, you know, in a snap. But for someone that has lost that part of themselves, and we're going to get into that in just a minute, uh, but s someone that may not understand these things, or even someone that may think they understand these things, there's actually a lot more depth to these four questions. And that's what we're going to step into today. So hopefully that will open up your mind to the, to the whole concept of what this podcast is. Because here's the thing, recovering you has never just been about pornography addiction recovery. And it's never just been about general addiction recovery. Recovering you is about taking back what was stolen from you. So I got a message today from a, a good friend that was actually on the podcast this season. Uh, I believe he was episode four, Brandon Johnson. So he sent me a message today. Yeah, we, we still speak regularly. Solid guy. Love him. Shout out to him because I know he listens to this podcast. Um, so he sent me a message today. He said, uh, I wanted to look up kind of what I, I was thinking about what the meaning of recovery is. And so I looked up the definition and he said uh, that the definition of recovery is to regain strength or to regain control of what was lost or stolen. Now let's focus on that, that part right there, that last part of what was stolen. So when we fall victim to addiction, yes, I said it. Uh, I believe all addicts are victims of their addiction. Now, whether that be the circumstance of of what you know that of how they grew up, the social pressures of the people around them, the involuntary exposure. I mean, for for pornography addicts, a lot of times that's 
that's how they get into it is it's involuntary. They, they see it on a billboard and it causes certain arousals. They, they have a friend that says, Hey, watch this video. This is hilarious. And it's pornographic. And, you know, our, our world is so saturated with this stuff that that exposure can really be involuntary. Um, it can be things that, uh, you know, symptoms of abuse or a reaction to trauma or grief or any other catalyst that pushes us to seek self-soothing behaviors that carry negative attachment behaviors. Each of us loses an innocent part of ourselves to the behavior that swoops in and convinces us that it's going to make everything feel better. And in our ignorant innocence, desperate for some sort of relief, we believe it. We fall for its lies. We give in. And we do this because in that moment of trauma, of grief, of being in, in the thralls of abuse, of having just seen something we are shocked by, in that moment, we don't have enough strength. We don't have enough clarity or we don't have enough, a close enough circle of family or friends to warn us about what's going on. So whatever that reason is, we lost. And the light that we had before that event, air quotes here, that event is stolen from us. That light is taken away. And it's, it's not our choice. We, we, didn't, we didn't take that light and say, I don't want to feel good anymore. I don't want to feel happy anymore. I don't want to be in control of my compulsions and my, and my behaviors. I, I no longer want to respect women. I no longer want to be able to uh, go home and have an evening without having to worry about getting, getting drunk or trying to numb the pain that I'm going through. I, I choose this life of, of addiction. There, I'm telling you right now, you go up to any addict and you say, hey, do you love being addicted to what you're addicted to? Okay, no, they're, they're, no one's going to say yes. They're not going to because it's not real. So depending on that circumstance or the level of severity of the mistake that we made or the pain that we caused, this can take weeks, months, or even years to recover that light. So I, I remember... Um, I, I was sitting with, uh, with, with one of my church leaders, uh, right when I was about to actually right after I had been excommunicated from the church and my, uh, th this church leader, he was, he was my stake president. Um, and he offered to give me a blessing and in this blessing, he, he decided to cast out the addiction from my body. And this was such a cool moment for me. It was so cool because when he did this, uh, it, it literally felt like this emptying of like, like this, this clogged drain. Okay. Maybe that sounds like I'm going to the bathroom. That's not what, it, that's not what it was at all, but it, it, it felt like this burden was completely taken off of my shoulders, but what was there to take its place. And that's, that's what he told me. He said, now your job, Cameron, because I've, I've, I have sent this darkness, this void that was in you, that has been in you for so many years. I've sent it away. Now it is your choice. You can fill it with light or you can bring the void back, but you have to make that choice. 
So how do we get back that light? Well, we got to learn. And the best place to start is to identify the roots of who we are. And that brings us back to the questions that I ask my men in these groups. The point is not when I ask these questions, it's not to force them to feel uncomfortable or to talk positively about themselves for the first time in who knows how long, though that certainly has an effect and it's a pretty awesome effect. But the point of these questions is to show them what their root values are. Okay, because when when you fall into the patterns of addiction, you lose you you lose sight and knowledge of what your root values are. You don't know what you stand for anymore. You don't know what's meaningful to you because all you care about is getting that fix. So, going back to these questions. Um they seem pretty simple. But the more you look into them and the more you answer them, again, so this is a repeated thing. This isn't a one-time answer. I ask these every single week to these guys. Uh, like the roots of a tree, the more you answer them, the deeper they grow and the deeper they go. So we're going to break these down. First question, why are you fighting and why don't you just give up? Yeah, I, I combine those two questions because they're, they're kind of a, uh, they're kind of a, a joint answer here. So um, they're... There really is not a person alive who has not had to fight for something in their lives. Okay. Our battles run deep, guys. And sometimes, actually, most of the time, it's so deep that others can't see them. And most of the time, that's on purpose. We don't want people to know that we're struggling. Why would we go and tell others that we're going through a hard time? They don't care. Our problems don't matter to them. Why inconvenience them? They probably have it way worse. We're just being weak and selfish. No, no, we, we, we can and we will fight and win this on our own. We don't need help. What a load of crap, guys. And yet, I'm sure all of you have had these thoughts when you're going through a hard time in your life. I don't want to burden people. I, I, I'm just being selfish. I'm just being whiny. Because maybe that's what we were told when we were growing up when we had problems. Stop whining. Stop complaining. Nobody cares. Everyone has problems. Suck it up. You're not special. Okay. It's true. Everyone has problems. And maybe what you're going through isn't special in terms of you're the only one that has ever gone through it. Because with 7 billion people on the earth right now and uh, billions that have lived before, okay, your, your problem is not special. It's true. However, it is significant to you. And it is meaningful to you and it is difficult for you. And so on your own individual battlefield, it is a hellfire of difficult, constant temptation that you are having a battle and trying to figure out how to win. Okay. But this is why you're not winning your fight because you are facing an entire army of opposition with zero support. So it's time to speak up. Okay. So we're going to go through a couple of steps on, on how to do this. Okay. Step one, identify what you are fighting for. When someone asks why you're fighting, obviously you got to know what you're fighting for. So it could be faith, family, peace, control, strength, success, ton of different things. There's a ton of things people are fighting for. And your initial reason 
Now, I want you to pay attention to this. Your initial reason is likely going to lean on your relationship to someone else. Okay. For instance, I'm fighting for my marriage to get better. I'm fighting not to lose my job. I'm fighting to stay a member of my church. But what happens when your relationship goes south? What happens when you do lose your job? What happens when you are excommunicated? What happens when? And that's why a lot of people, a lot of these men that, that first come into to the to my groups, their answers are almost always, I'm fighting for my family, I'm fighting for my marriage. That That is the most common answer. And it's not a bad answer. I don't want that to be the thing that, that you get from this, that oh, I shouldn't fight for my family. Absolutely, you should fight for your family. Though you should be fighting for your family in terms of fighting for yourself. Okay, let, let, let me explain. Fight for the person you need to be or the person your spouse deserves in their life. Because if you are fighting, if I'm fighting for the man that my wife deserves, if I'm fighting to be that man, then that is going to have a healing effect on the marriage. Does that mean the marriage will remain intact? No, but here's the key point. Okay. Golden ticket information right here. If that marriage does not last, you are still, you have still become the person that is reaching that potential that you always had. It was not dependent or I guess codependent on that relationship in order to succeed, in order to be happy. Fight to be that person that Heavenly Father knows you can be. Fight to be that person that you know you can be. Okay, Fight to be an asset to your company. Okay? To be indispensable so that when hard times fall on the company, they don't look at you first and say, oh, we're trimming the fat. You're the first one to go. Okay? You're not really pulling your weight. I, I remember when, when I, I, I have either quit or been fired from the career that I'm in multiple times. Okay, This is, this is my fifth company that I'm with doing the same job. And with this company, I got some really great advice from my father-in-law. He said, for the first two years of this job, be a yes man. Anytime anyone needs help to cover a case, to cover call, anytime anyone reaches out and says, hey, I've had a family emergency, can anyone step up? Anytime your boss says, hey, I've got some extra tasks to do, be the first one to say yes. Because when you do that, you establish yourself as indispensable. Okay. And, and this, this can translate into all other aspects of your life. Okay. Be the one that shows up, be the first one to jump into service, be the first one. You know, don't, don't be the one that just sits on the couch and expects others to do things for you. Be proactive about becoming who you want to be because otherwise you will just, that, that person will never be achieved and you'll just waste your life away never getting to understand how amazing you truly are. Okay. So, um, you know, like I said, fight to be an asset to your company, fight to represent, uh, your faith with exactness, despite what your membership card will say. I have to tell you, one of my greatest fears was that as soon as I was excommunicated, all of a sudden, um, I was going to be looked at as a black sheep. I was going to be shunned. I was going to be, you know, no, nobody was going to want to be my friend because uh, all of them had their membership cards. 
So obviously I wasn't worthy to even be in their presence. Man, I could not have been more wrong. It was as if as soon as I was excommunicated and I could be my true self and really lean into my recovery, as soon as I decided to do that and I, I stopped trying to hide who I was and I was honest and vulnerable and, and when I had problems, I would reach out. Man, it was like all of a sudden my relationships became more meaningful. I gained amazing friends. I, I was closer to my bishops, to my, to my church, to, to the men in my, to all the people in my neighborhood around me better than I ever was before because I was no longer just solely focused on hiding who I was and being selfish in my actions. I got to be who I wanted to be. I got to push myself to be better. And in doing so, I became a more attractive asset to the people around me. They wanted to hang around me. Nobody really, okay, nobody cared about my membership in the church. I, I would show up to, and we changed wards a lot. Like I said, we moved a lot. My wife and I moved um, 14 times in the 13, 12, 12, 13 years that we've been married. Um, and in doing so, I've been to a lot of, a lot of different churches. And since I started my recovery within the first month, uh, in, in a meeting, I will, I will bring up the fact that I, I was an excommunicated member of the church and without fail, there are people that will come up to me after I share that. And they will say, thank you for sharing that. Um, and they will, they will instantly start to want to develop this personal relationship with me. And it's because people look at real, honest and vulnerable individuals as a safe place or, or someone that they can turn to someone that they know that is not going to judge them. Because let me tell you that the person that always has the right, perfect answer that just you know, it, it's, it's the right answer because it's the right thing to say. It might be the right answer. However, if it's not the real answer, if it's not the real you, it's, it's actually going to develop this mistrust where it's like, okay, are, are you this person when you're at church and a different person when you're not here? So that's what I mean by, by being a, a true vulnerable self. Okay, don't don't hide who you are. All right. And and I've I've gone off on a bit of a tangent. So let let's let's reel it back in here. All right. Um, so we're talking about uh fighting for yourself. When when you find your reason for fighting, uh apply it to yourself because then when the other things, if those outside uh influences fall away, you still have an anchor within yourself that you have been developing, and that's not going to be moved. Okay. Um, I, I remember when we were living in Las Vegas, I think one of the best things that I may have ever told my wife was, I don't need you anymore. Okay. Now, a lot of you listening to this might say that kind of seems like a harsh thing to say to your wife. But if you understood how codependent I was and how much my wife felt like she had to carry me through my righteousness, that how that she had to support me even in my sins and my iniquities and my my faults and these poor behaviors that that she had to somehow step up and say it's okay we're going to get through this and she didn't get to mourn or grieve or heal in any way but because I was so weak okay the moment that I said I don't need you anymore was such a relief 
for her. And it was such a relief for her because she no longer felt like she had to carry me. She could finally start healing herself. She could finally just let everything go to her therapist and, and talk about things openly and honestly. And she could, and, and eventually that translated into her being able to talk to me about things without having to worry about me reacting in a way that I would turn it around and make it all about me. Because let's be honest, we, we do that. When, when we are in an addiction, when we have struggles, we make it all about us and we, and we turn it around and we're selfish that way. Okay. When I worried about me and she got to worry about her, both of us had a lot lighter burden and, and that codependency melted away. We, we then became interdependent where we wanted to be near each other. We just didn't need to be near each other in order to heal, in order to be happy. Okay. I no longer needed my wife to get me through my recovery. She didn't have to push me into confessing. She didn't have to push me into honesty. She didn't have to catch me when she knew that something was wrong because she could tell. They, the women always can, right? All right. So step two, uh, identify how to fight. So in order to do this, we got to set a strategy to start winning. Okay. And start with the little battles. No more, you know, it, it might be things like, now, maybe these actually might be big battles for, for some of us, but get off the dating apps. Don't have your electronics in an isolated situation. Don't take me to the bathroom with you. Don't sit in your room with the door closed and be on your phone or on a computer. It's too easy to slip up. Okay. If you're an alcoholic, don't go to the bars anymore. Choose new friends. And yes, this is not a little one, but choose new friends who are not going to push you to drink, who are not going to say, come on, man, it's, it's rude if you don't drink with me. All right. That's not a good friend. Be completely honest, even if it is bad news. Another thing we want to do is set daily goals that will help you establish a pattern of accomplishment and success so that you know what winning feels like. This, this is training your brain to attach to the dopamine response in correlation with winning and positive pattern behavior versus negative pattern behavior. When you are doing the little things of getting up at a certain time, uh, getting a 30-minute workout in, you are winning. You're accomplishing something. You're improving. And by so doing, you are attaching yourself to that dopamine response instead of attaching yourself to the dopamine that you get from acting out in your addiction. So here's a little example of, of something that I, I used to do. So I travel for work sometimes, and I used to lose a battle every time I've traveled for work. Uh, anytime I'd step in a hotel room, I instantly was triggered and I would, I would realize, Hey, I'm alone. I can get away with it. No one has to know. Uh, I can keep it from my wife this time that this is going to be easy. So I, I had to learn to change this behavior. And what I, what I decided to do was, okay, I, I am either going to call my wife or I'm going to call a member of my group, or I'm going to call um, uh, uh, just a friend, but I'm going to be on the phone with someone as I walk across the threshold into a hotel room. By so doing, I was not triggered by being alone. And while I, I would keep that person on the phone while I would drop my bags off, um, and then I would grab my, grab my keys and wallet and I would walk back out the door to go out and have dinner, or I would change my clothes and get ready to go work out. And I would keep them on the phone while I would change my clothes. So by, by doing this, I was establishing a pattern of not allowing myself to respond to the previous triggers that I was having, but to then have 
it triggered response to as soon as I approach a hotel room door, I pull out my phone, I call someone before I walk through that door. Okay, so the, these are the little things that we we can start doing in order to um, to win those battles. Okay, this is how this is identifying how we fight those battles. So establish, figure out where those weaknesses are. Figure out where why why do you keep failing? What is the situation you keep putting yourself in that you keep losing battles? And then find the thing that's going to keep you from doing that. And then stick to that thing. All right. And then step three, build the army. This goes back to what we were just talking about. You got to talk to people. Let people in. Let them know what you're struggling with. Let them know what you're planning on doing to win. Tell them Tell them your plans. Tell them what you do every single day. That's okay. And then most importantly, tell them how they can support you. Hey, I'm going on a trip. I know you may have thought on my favorite rocket ship. Uh, <laughs> that's what definitely came into my head. Uh, I'm, I'm going on a trip. I'm going to be in a hotel alone. Um, will you just have your phone on you? I am... I'm going to call you when I get to my hotel room uh, and I'm, and I'm going to call you if I'm finding myself not okay emotionally, or if I'm finding myself tempted to, to screw up while I'm there. Can you please just be, can you please just make yourself available? And any, any good friend is going to say, yeah, absolutely. And, and you also want to have three or four or five people that are aware of what's going on so that if one person is busy, can't answer their phone, you have a backup. And you, you don't allow yourself to slip into, oh, well, they're not answering because they, they don't love me or because they don't care if I mess up or not. So I'm just going to mess up anyway. No, no, no. Don't, don't let Satan get in your, or don't let Spike get in your head that way. Okay. Have your backups and call someone and let them know how they can support you. Okay. And if that, if the way they can support you is calling you out on your, on your selfishness, calling you out on your bull crap, on your lies, then so be it. That that's that's what I call a good friend is someone that so that says, um, hmm, well, I'm not sure I really believe that's true. And here's why. Uh, and that, you know, that they're gonna call you out on that. Absolutely. I love that. That's going to empower you and, and keep you honest, keep you humble, uh, remind you that, you know, you're still imperfect, you're still human. Uh, you might be doing better, but we we always have a we always have more steps forward that we can take. Okay. So build your army, build, build the people that are going to be around you. Um, when things get hard. Okay. All right. Next question. Why don't you just give up? So this question, this is kind of like a gunslinger question, right? Uh, it needs to be a knee jerk, rapid answer. Why? Well, because this is the challenge that's going to be presented to you on a daily basis. This is all about knowing your why and knowing it quick. Like you need to be able to answer this within a few seconds. Why don't you just give up? I'm not going to give up because. Okay, so write write down your your why. Write it down and take it with you somewhere. And use it like putting on boxing gloves or uh, boxing gloves and headgear or um or putting on armor before heading into a battle. Now that's something that a lot of us probably can't really relate to, but putting on boxing gloves and headgear before stepping into a ring, you can imagine what that's like. Why would you step in without any sort of protection, without any sort of training? Why would you do that? 
you're going to get your butt kicked. So knowing your why is like going through the training and practicing this response. Put yourself mentally in that scenario and say, okay, I know I'm going to find myself in this situation. Here's how I'm going to respond and run that again. I know I'm going to find myself in that situation. Here's how I'm going to respond. So that way, when you do get into that situation, you know exactly how to respond. As the attacks start coming, your why, that is your training. It is your practice. It's your immediate response to fight or flight, and you don't have the freeze response. I was actually listening to a podcast today uh, with Jordan Peterson and his discussion with uh, Dr. Huberman, and he has a podcast too that's fantastic, um, but it's all science-based. But They were talking about the fight or flight uh, response and the the autonomic response that that different types of people have and using the examples of, for instance, Navy SEALs. Um, and they did this using uh, VR scenarios like uh, fear of heights or uh, you know fe fear of spiders, fear of uh, attacks by wild animals, things like that. So while they're doing this, they're recording the heart rate, the brain activity, the physical responses, you know, perspiration, um, jitteriness, and, and how these people would respond to what they, what they would do in that scenario. Okay. Now they found the lowest anxiety response was actually panic. And I, I found this super interesting that panic is the lowest autonomic response. And then the, the, uh, sorry, panic or freezing, basically you're, you're, you are shutting down as a response. So that's actually the lowest autonomic response. Then the, the next level up was to retreat, run away, you know, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, run away. All right. Uh, so that, that's your next level up. Then the, the, the third group was actually, and th this is what I, I, I loved the third group were the ones that would lean into the challenge and would actually get excited about the challenge scenario. And this is where they, this is what they found mostly with like people like Navy SEALs, uh, people that are, have a first, first responder type mentality that they will lean into these challenges. People that push themselves in education tend to lean into their challenges and this can be trained. This can all be trained and adapted to. So, but the thing that was interesting was their heart rate still went up. They, they still had a spike in adrenaline. They had all the markings of an anxiety attack, but the decision-making process was what was different. The SEALs leaned into that challenge where other people froze or tried to get away. So when you know your why, when you have practice winning, when you have anticipated the enemy's movements, then your autonomic response will not be to freeze or succumb to the temptation, but instead it will be to face the challenge and fight with every weapon and tool at your disposal without a second thought. So jumping into uh, the, the, the next question, why are you awesome? Man, I love this question because you just get some of the best answers. And it has the widest range depending on where people are at in their recovery. Okay. When, when you first start recovery, for instance, for me, when I first went to my first recovery and they asked me why I was awesome, I'm pretty sure I had the same response. Well, I know I did that tons of other guys have had coming through my group that I run, which is I'm not awesome. There's nothing awesome about me. I am someone that has 
hurt and destroyed another person's life. My spouse doesn't trust me. My kids might not see me again. I'm probably going to be kicked out of my church. There's nothing awesome about me. And to then be told by this group full of men, that's not true. You are awesome. Where are you at right now? And I remember answering, well, I'm, I'm at, I'm at Men and Moroni recovery group. And then you see all the men smile in the group and they say, yeah, you are. You're here with us. And this is exactly where you're supposed to be in recovery with other men who are willing to admit their shortcomings and their weaknesses, who are willing to seek out the atonement of Jesus Christ and utilize it and understand it more fully. How does that not make you awesome? It absolutely makes you awesome. Okay. And then once, once you get some time under your belt, then you start to notice these things. And you, and you come to the meetings and you look forward to that question, why are you awesome? Oh man, well, I got to tell you, I, I was in a situation where I would have failed 10 times out of 10 before. And my training kicked in and I immediately got on the offensive and fought back against my temptation, against my addiction. And I got out of there and I won. And to feel that win when that's something you haven't won in so long, man, that's awesome. And then even beyond that, once you get to a place where I'm at of actually mentoring these men, you get to see the process of these men go from, I'm not awesome to, let me tell you just how awesome I am. And it's never done when, when, when real recovery is happening in someone's life, it's never done with arrogance or with an ego. It is done with an understanding of what their true worth is and what they bring to the table, what they bring to their family, the value they bring to their life and the lives around them. I'm awesome to be around. I compliment the crap out of people. I love being kind to people. I, I used to be sarcastic and cynical and, and, and tease people and put them down. And now, man, I, I love being the one when, when someone's like, how you doing? I'm like, I wish I was doing as good as you. You look amazing today. You look awesome. And, or when I ask someone, hey, how are you doing? They're like, good. I'm like, I bet you are. You look freaking fantastic to me. These things, I love doing this for people. And because of that, I get such a positive response from them. And, and I have learned that because I've learned to love myself. And once I learned to love myself, I've learned how to help other people love themselves as well. And I, I know I'm using love a lot, but I love that so much. It is so awesome. Last question. Who are you? Now, this is what I like to call the shame breaker. And it almost sounds like a sword name, right? Stormbreaker. Shame breaker. All right. That, that's the name of this question. When, when you can call upon the shame breaker, when you can answer, who are you? When you know who you are to your core, even when you mess up, even when you make mistakes, even when you understand that you are not perfect, it will not cause a shame response. It will not cause you to spiral emotionally and mentally because 
at your core, you know, you're a good person. You're a good husband. You're a good mom. You're a good friend. You're a hard worker. You take care of your body. You have a strong testimony of your faith. All these things identify who you are. You are no longer identified by the mistakes you made in your past. You identify yourself with your divine worth and your divine calling and nature as a being created in the image of God. And once you understand that, oh man, it is so liberating. And there's so much freedom because you can make mistakes and you can turn around and say, that mistake took me by surprise. That sucks. And I'm just going to keep on moving forward. I'm not back to my, I'm not back to square one. I haven't lost all the knowledge and all the hard work I put in. No, I, I, I got this. And you go and you talk to who you need to talk to and you do it with a plan that's already in place to, to recover. And you are able to jump right back up from it. Understanding that, yeah, you feel guilty. You know that what you did was wrong. That's great. However, you don't beat yourself up and say, well, now, man, I'm, I'm worthless. I'm a piece of crap. I never actually learned anything. I've been lying this whole time. Those thoughts happen when someone doesn't understand who they are, but someone who knows who they are will never fall into that trap. My friends, earlier this week, I'm going to circle back here. I almost quit. And once I was able to look back and understand why I started this whole journey of, of recovery, of seeking out to reach my potential, of accomplishing and becoming the person that I was always intended to be. Once I went back and looked at those reasons and remembered that journey that I've been on, that some of you are on right now, that I'm still on, I realized I can't quit and I will never quit. Just because I have to slow down in the race doesn't mean that I'm, I'm quitting and backing out. When we do not give up on ourselves and when we do not give up on our Heavenly Father, He will not give up on us. He loves us too much for that. I promise you that. I want to thank you guys for joining with me and bearing with me through this. Um, I don't know. I certainly enjoyed this. I, I, I certainly am glad that uh, you've joined me this week, and I, I hope that this was a positive experience for you. Uh, feel free to leave a comment, leave a review, click that five star button. I, I've heard if you've uh, if you click the five star, you actually get seven years of good luck. So uh, go and smash that five star, and go out there and smash your recovery, and continue being awesome. Answer your why are you awesome question. Answer why you're fighting. Answer why you don't give up, and answer who you are. That's your challenge this week. When you can do that. Uh, when you can see what I see in you, when you can see what Heavenly Father sees in you, when you can see what others see in you, you're going to love what you see. I know I do. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for joining me. We'll see you next week on Recovering You. Remember, 
Your story is unique and can make a huge difference in the lives of others. If you feel the desire to share your story on Recovering You, please don't hesitate to reach out to me at recoveryou2 at gmail.com with the number two. Or you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash recoveringyoupodcast. That's facebook.com forward slash recoveringyoupodcast. podcast.